Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. Hey, welcome to Politico Tech. It's Wednesday, August 23rd. I'm Stephen Overly. This is going to be the first full school year with generative AI, a fact that elicits a big sigh from high school principal Kip Glazer. Yes. We asked her, how big a moment is this? Are we on knife's edge? What is the significance of this fall? Nobody knows, and that's what's interesting or exciting or scary, however you want to feel about it. We, the educators, are like almost the sole responsible party to make sure they're getting educated on everything. And we can barely hold it together sometimes, so we need help. I come from a family of educators. Literally every member of my immediate family works in public schools, or has in the past, And for much of the last year, they always want to talk about chat GPT. Generative AI has left teachers vexed. Just ask one. I promise they will tell you about it. In today's episode, Politico education reporter Blake Jones talks with Principal Glazer, who's at a school in Silicon Valley. This will be my second year uh, as the principal of Mountain View High School. Previously, I was the principal at San Marcos High School in Santa Barbara, And I've been in education for over 20 years. Blake and our education team have reported out a big piece today on AI in schools as students return to the classroom. And after ChatGPT rocked educators earlier this year, some of them, like Principal Glazer, now see reason to embrace this emerging learning tool. Here's the rest of Blake's interview. You know, you've been in education, including through your teaching career, through some major transformations, especially in technology, um, you know, from the introduction of phones in schools to remote learning in the pandemic. And, you know, I was wondering, since we're talking about AI, how the evolution of artificial intelligence has compared to some of those other changes throughout your career. Yeah, I mean, when I first became the district tech coach, I was doing Chromebook rollout for my district with 18 high schools. So I thought that was a huge change in education and how we use learning technologies into the classroom. But since then, with the pandemic and doing school on Zoom or online platforms, we had seen so many changes. And now with artificial intelligence, I think the change has been accelerated beyond what we have imagined, and we continue to see more changes coming out um, every day. Uh, I was at a conference this past Wednesday. A researcher had to wait for his slide deck to come on, and he joked that uh, while we're waiting for 10 minutes, there have been more advancement in AI during that period. So it is a joke in some sense, but I think there was also a sober reminder how fast these things are changing and moving. Several school districts rushed to keep AI out of the classroom last academic year. Why have you taken a different approach? Well, as a person who studied learning technologies, one of the things that you learn quickly is that the shut-down-everything approach doesn't necessarily work. And in many cases, it actually causes additional problems for our students who are supposed to be ready for a future that has yet to be created. So uh, my approach actually is to lean into it and learn as much as I can possibly learn so that I can be a good 
be the instruction learner for my teachers and students. So I am a big advocate for providing more professional development for teachers rather than closing everything down. And how have you found AI to be most useful? We don't really know yet. To say that we know for sure how they are useful in the classroom would be a little premature. Uh, one of the things that my teachers have reported and also lots of other articles that have come out is that this AI, we're talking about a chat GPT in particular because that is the most widely known uh, that particular uh, platform allows our students to sort of brainstorm and start some conversations and serve as a platform where you can put in good questions to get some great answers as a starting point for their learning. But I think we still have to kind of figure out in what ways we can leverage this for student learning. And I think that has been my focus in working with lots of researchers and other people who are interested in this topic. Are there instances in which you think AI has been overhyped or even problematic? Absolutely. You will see the articles all over the place where students or even an attorney used AI to sort of let it do their work only to find out that the the citation was completely fabricated and or the cases that they were citing were non-existent. So I think over-reliance of this tool is extremely problematic. You know, because of some of those problematic kind of instances that you're talking about, um, are there any rules or kind of guidance that you wish you had as a relatively new principle um, on artificial intelligence? Ooh, good question. I wish there were some parameters as to whether the employers or school leaders can use this to support student learning rather than surveillance or predatory commercial activities, right? There was a case um, in Florida where student information was shared with sheriff's department and sheriff's department used that information to sort of profile students as to whether they are likely to be juvenile delinquent. And that really worries me. When we brought this uh, safety security camera system on campus, we had no rules around whether as an employer I could spy on my employee, right? Or whether I could share the data with the police. I mean, I am all for keeping our students safe and we have great relationship with our law enforcement. But I think uh, we cannot depend on good people to do the right things based on common sense. There has to be very clear understanding of who owns the data to what and we can use the data to support our students and our employees. So I've been a big proponent of that because facial recognition system is a form of AI that is embedded in every security camera on campus. And when our visitors come on campus, we ask them like, hey, by the way, we have this camera system. You know you will be recorded. Please know that we will be only using this for safety reasons and allow us to do so. Like people have to know that they're being recorded. And, you know, whether it's those parents that you're talking to or 
even students and teachers, you know, what's an example of a challenge that you've encountered when trying to help all of them embrace AI as you personally have? One of the biggest challenges is dealing with the fear of unknown, right? And yes, last end of last school year, we had a few students who misused AI and trying to see how that's going to help them submit assignments that were not originally theirs. And I think some teachers felt very hurt by that, right? Like teenage behaviors, whether it's AI or something else, sometimes they don't always make the best choices. But I think their fear of unknown as to what extent or their own ability to be able to detect what is AI generated and what is not gets in the way of sometimes having rational conversation with our students. Because whether we're living in AI age or not, teenagers sometimes don't always make the right choice. So I think my job as a school leader is to keep my staff calm, as well as the students and parents, to make sure that uh, at the end of the day, we want our students to learn, to think for themselves, and produce original work that is based on their own learning. So we have to work together as a team. And do you think that this broader issue of plagiarism and cheating is getting you know too much attention or not enough? And you know, have you had to deal with it at all firsthand, um, you know, talking to students and like, I guess, how do you navigate all of those conversations? Yeah, and I think it's both, right? I will never tell teachers who are dealing with this cheating in their classroom that, oh, you're caring about that too much, right? Like, it's really real. Like, everybody has their own truth as to how they're going to react to this particular new tool. And I want our conversation to be really about if a student behavior is not what we want to see, perhaps the structure and or the assignment isn't what it should do for our kids, right? Why do kids cheat? Because they're stressed. They think this is a shortcut and they don't want to disappoint teachers by not turning in their stuff or they're scared of their parents getting mad for getting a bad grade. Well, if an assignment invites these negative behaviors, perhaps we need to rethink how we're assessing our kids. And I really want to lean into our conversation to really be about pedagogy and how we are truly assessing student learning rather than just how do we catch cheaters? Because so many tools like emails I'm getting is like, hey, by the way, this new AI tool will catch all the cheaters, which I know is not possible. I'm like, come on now. And they want me to buy these tools so that we can catch cheaters. And I'm like, really, that's what we're doing here, that we are going to focus on that. I think we're missing the boat. And do you have teachers in a particular subject area who are coming to you with, you know, these concerns or they're asking you to buy you know, chat GPT zero or something like that? Is it is it mostly English because you could theoretically write an essay with chat GPT or is it pretty evenly spread? So far, English and social studies, any subject that is doing sort of research paper or just essays in general. But I think uh, there are also other content area teachers who are concerned about student privacy and data sharing and I heard from our special education department where they've heard the stories of people putting sensitive student information in ChatGPT, hoping that it will write 
the IEP, like individualized education plan, right, which is legally required, and not really understanding that now you have uh, supplied your student private data into this AI system. So they also express their concerns. So I think at its core, we want to keep our students safe and their future data safe. And that's the conversation I like to engage more in, in terms of how do we make sure that our students' future are not being sort of bartered away unwittingly because nobody wants to hurt kids. I can promise you that. And we need more knowledge and education so that we're not doing that as an institution. I also wanted to hear just a little bit more from you about the moment that we're in right now. It's going to be the first full school year for most schools with generative AI. And how how big of a moment is this? Are we on a knife's edge? You know, what is the significance of this fall? Yeah, nobody knows. And that's what's interesting or exciting or scary, however you want to feel about it. And we're going to have to watch and see. Uh, One of the things that really, really concerns me is that so many of the school leaders are not in a position to be able to really keep up with the pace of these things that are coming at us. Uh, Because we have to open school and traffic control is a thing. Like this morning, I was out there directing traffic, right? Because that could immediately really hurt my kids. And there's this looming AI thing behind the background where it could hurt our kids just as much. It's just that we don't see the wound, if you will. And I don't know that all the school leaders are able to really... um, figure out all this all at the same time, and we don't have time to wait. And so that's why I need policymakers and community members to help us, because we just want our kids' data not to be packaged and sold. And um, the 13-year-old who signed up for this free thing will discover when they're 25 that they shouldn't have done that, just like in YouTube generation. I always think about our kids, oh my gosh, Thank goodness I didn't have YouTube when I was your age because that haircut you got, buddy, it's a problem and you're going to know it, right? Like we always have that moment, but it's not just a haircut anymore. It's not just the bad outfit anymore. It's literally your personal information that is that should never be shared into the world and they don't know. It's hard to be an educator right now. And, you know, I know it's very difficult to make predictions and forecasts, but you seem as equipped to do so as any in this space. Um, What do you think the classrooms are going to look like 10 or maybe even 20 years from now, based on the trajectory that artificial intelligence is now on? I hope, I don't know what's going to happen, but I hope that we actually center human interaction and human in the loop because when I first started my doctoral program, I remember watching Will I Am doing this interview with Anderson Cooper, where um, they used a holographic projection to talk about the election of Obama, right? And that moment, yes, it was a historic moment in terms of electing a first African-American president. But also for me, I was like, this is the end of teaching as we know it. Because if they can beam Toni Morrison into my English classroom, What do I need to be there? And that's one of the reasons why I was like, I'm going to learn about this so that I can kind of keep up and get ahead of it. 
And I, since then, my learning helped me to alleviate my fear. I think that we need more than ever before this human touch and human interaction. And I'm convinced the faster, the more advanced AI is, the more we will need each other. And then the kinds of skills that we have to uh, build among the educators will be a little different as this uh, social emotional learning is a big thing, but understanding how to work with the whole child, even when they come to learn, say, physics in a high school classroom will become much more important. And there are ways that AI can actually help teachers to be able to focus on the kids rather than doing this mundane tasks such as attendance taking or even like updating grade books. Wouldn't it be amazing if we can just tell the AI, hey, make sure all my kids are here. Can you tell me who's not here, who's not, uh, who hasn't been here, who has not uh, set up, uh, turn in the assignment so I can actually go check in with that student individually and, and make sure that they're seen and heard and valued. That's the world I would like to contribute building. Thanks so much for coming on and um, spending more time than I had promised with us. Maybe I'll earn some points with my kiddos because <laughs> I got to be cool with my students. So <laughs> thank you so much. You can read our education team's story on politico.com. In other tech news today, tech giants are preparing to comply with the European Union's Digital Services Act by the end of this week. On Tuesday, Meta said Facebook and Instagram users in Europe will now have the ability to opt out of its algorithm that recommends content. And the first GOP primary debate is tonight with eight candidates on stage, none of them named Donald Trump. I'm not holding my breath for a question on AI or microchips or really any tech topic, though it would be interesting to hear who has a coherent answer. That's on Fox News at 9 p.m. That's all for Politico Tech today. For more technology news, subscribe to our newsletters, Digital Future Daily and Morning Tech. Music in today's show comes from the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Our senior producer is Annie Reese. Our editors are Steve Heuser and Louisa Savage. I'm Stephen Overly, and I'll see you back here tomorrow.